This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, Welcome, my name is Liis Kukkonen and this is Practitioner's Viewpoint. In this series of podcasts, I will be interviewing practitioners from different fields on how they see sedentary behavior and promotion of physical activity in their work. Today, I have the honor to introduce my guest, Jason Gutman. Jason is a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach. He has a master's degree in exercise physiology and a certification in sports nutrition and strength and conditioning. Today, we're going to talk about how to coach someone who wants to improve their biometrics like blood sugar levels, blood pressure, blood cholesterol levels, and on top of that, improve their overall wellness, well-being via lifestyle improvements. So I am happy to introduce Jason Kutman. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me, Lise. So let's start with your background. Uh, why did you get interested in exercise physiology and wellness coaching? Well, that's uh, potentially a long story, but we'll, I'll give you the very short story, which um, is, is rather personal. It really started for me being an overweight teenager and the challenges that, that came with that. And uh, the challenge that, that, that came with trying to overcome that essentially on my own without uh, a really sound approach, uh, that led me to some, some real challenges with my own well-being. And it was ultimately from having to pick the pieces up from that uh, that, I, that this passion kind of emerged uh, like a pearl under pressure. Um, I kind of had to learn. Um, and thankfully, was already studying in this direction, and I was able to combine sort of my academic interests with my personal needs. I'm I'm, I'm sure you, uh, because of that experience, uh, you are a better coach now. Or do you agree? Do you think so? It's a really neat scenario. I sometimes tell people when looking for a coach in in any realm of life. Uh, one neat thing to look for is someone who is has some acumen in the area you want to develop some acumen in and got there from a similar place where you're starting. So someone that wasn't a natural um, uh, is really neat because they have not only the know-how of how to go from where you were to where you want to go, but they have a lot of the um, compassion that comes along with how challenging that journey can be. I agree. Um, so my next question is actually kind of a follow-up for that. So uh, who do you work with now? Who are your clients or who is your typical client, if if there is a typical client, because everybody's different? Sure. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of individuality in what my clients bring to the table, but the commonality has a lot to do with some of what you had in your introduction of me. Uh, you know, people are having conversations with their physicians and other medical providers every day about their blood sugar levels, their blood pressure, their blood cholesterol levels, often their weight as part of these conversations. And going home, knowing that it's time to make some lifestyle improvements and not really knowing where to start 
not really knowing how to succeed in the long run, those really are the kind of people I work with. They're, uh, they've come to a point in life where they're ready to adopt some lifestyle improvements and they're, they have enough wisdom from either trying and, and struggling in the past with these specific efforts or they're just a coachable person in general that they say, I'm, I'm going to get some help with this. I, don't, I, I know I don't need to do this by myself. Uh, that's that's the kind of person I work with. Okay, we are later on going to touch on that on the behavior change theories a little bit also, but um, I'd like to ask you. Maybe I'm I'm sure you have many great stories about people, you know, getting good results. Would you like to share something like maybe a story of what you have accomplished with your uh, clients? Sure, sure. There's a gentleman I'm I'm actively working with that I think really epitomizes uh, how my work tends to go with my clients, and also is a very inspiring story for a lot of people out there that have the kinds of challenges we're talking about of what really can be done with what I'm calling lifestyle improvements, with sometimes what's called lifestyle medicine. Um, is uh, this gentleman is middle age. Uh, financial advisor, um, father, uh, so sort of a sort of a regular guy here in the United States, <laughs> and uh, and has had challenges with uh, particularly his weight and his blood pressure for for some time. And what brought him to me was uh, his blood sugar was being and, and and his diagnosed type two diabetes was being managed with medication. And to make a long story short, the, he was having very unpleasant side effects. And he, that led to some more exploration. Then he finally found himself on a medication that he didn't have any side effects with, but he was paying something like five uh, or $600 a month for the medication. That was enough for him to say, I don't want to live with these side effects. I don't want to live with $500 out of pocket every month for this medication. And if I'm honest with myself, I'm really not feeling that great. Like there's more going on here than just uh, high blood sugar levels. And, and there are things I want to do. There are things I want to do with my family. There's things I want to do with my career. Uh, there are hobbies that I want to be pursuing and they're getting harder to pursue. And, and, and I want to work on this. And so we started at the first of this year, a little bit, little before the first of this year. And He's lost 25-ish pounds, um, which, you know, by commercial advertisements isn't that dramatic. Uh, but, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, really good behavior change from the perspective of being able to sustain it, it's pretty outstanding. Somewhere, you know, my experience is that unless someone has an extraordinary amount of weight to lose, losing about a pound a week tends to be very sustainable. Uh, and the really remarkable change he's had are his fasting blood sugar levels. I'm not sure. This is one area I think the United States actually uses the same units as the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, he is uh, uh, started about 210 for his fasting blood sugar levels, which is quite high. Um, and he's under 100, uh, which, which puts him in what doctors and, and medical providers call normal. He's in the, the higher end of the normal range uh, and is having conversations with his physician about, uh, has been and is continuing about lowering his medication 
And uh, there's there's more work he wants to do. He 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 wants to lose some weight. He has some symptoms that are that come with um, high blood sugar levels that he'd like to to see if he can have fade away. Um, but this is a man that in eight or nine months uh, went from having blood sugar levels that most people would consider almost alarmingly high to blood sugar levels of a of a twenty year old that are that are normal. And I, I, what I, I, I'll, I'll finish this anecdote by saying that because I think this is inspiring to a lot of people. He didn't have to do anything too crazy. Um, he went from not exercising to over a number of months working up to. He's now exercising four times a week for an hour. Uh, so that's not nothing. That is a significant amount of exercise. But he's not doing what many people in the public think you need to do to be well. He's not running marathons or doing triathlons or doing anything that, that we might consider extreme. And then the same thing, uh, this is slightly off topic of our conversation, but same thing with, with, his, with his eating habits. Um, he didn't have to go on an extreme rigid diet. He didn't have to cut out X for the rest of his life. Um, I would say what he's done and what my clients typically do is shift. If you think about all the food a person eats in a, in a week, for example, and we could simply label it as processed or unprocessed or processed and whole natural real food, he was probably eating um, 30 or 40% real food, and now he's probably eating 70 or 80% real food. That change is often enough to really make a significant, those two changes, and you know, there are other aspects of, of well-being outside of food and movement, but if a person goes from sedentary to moderately active and goes from eating a, a, a high percentage of processed food to a low percentage of processed food, uh, a lot of good stuff tends to happen. Join to stop the worldwide pandemic of inactivity. Are you a medical doctor, physical therapist, personal trainer, or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier, better life? Imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time provide you with more income. Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching. The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. No buttons, no apps, no Bluetooth connections, just a foolproof way to get scientifically accurate data easily. The device collects subjective physical activity data from your client. Furthermore, it forms easy-to-understand visual feedback and lifestyle suggestions towards healthier choices that you can present and discuss with your client. An individual approach encourages and motivates clients to change their lifestyle patterns and gives you an opportunity to strengthen your expert status and distinguish from competition. Fibian helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibian now at Fibian.com. That's F-I-B-O-N.com. I think it's a great example and um, quite often what drugs do is they mimic the 
effect that we can do have on uh, raising levels of physical activity and uh, improving nutrition. So it's it's just like mm, maybe at first you get quicker results with drugs, but in the long run it's not a good solution. It's it's a great great example. So you know there's so much information nowadays available about about wellness and how to be have a better health. So what do you think are people struggling about mostly? Like because in, in wellness is not it's not only exercise and physical activity and nutrition. There is stress levels and sleep recovery. It it compounds so many uh, factors. So what's your uh, opinion, ex- experience? What are the struggling points? I think one of the primary struggling points is simply uh, feeling like a, a person feeling like they don't have enough time or energy that they're they're being pulled in many other directions and so that's where we sort of start to traverse the gap between individual behavior and sort of like cultural norms um so it's 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 very hard for someone in a society that's that could be characterized as busy um uh where you know work hours are it's are commonly long uh, where it's common for uh, families to have both parents working um, and then have a lot of household and parenting responsibilities to do in a truncated period of time. Um, so, you know, and I, I, I say this not to, uh, uh, I often tell my clients, I'm reflecting back to them something from their real life. And I say, I'm not saying this to make an excuse for you because I would be the worst wellness coach in the world if what I was doing are making excuses for you. But 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 making that real, I think, is important. Um, is uh, so I'm not in the business of of changing cultural norms. I'm in the business of working with an individual. And one thing that will often come up, though, is you know we're having conversations about their values, and um, and because they're in my office, we're having conversations about their values around well-being. And the more a person person explores their values around well-being and why it's important for them to improve their well-being, they start to think differently about how they spend their time and energy. And so it's, it's interesting in that holistic sense that sometimes the solution to helping someone exercise more isn't a strategic exercise plan, it's them discovering that what they want to do with their life is work 5% less or work 10% less um, because things like exercising and getting enough sleep and spending time with their close ones it is becoming more of a priority. Uh, so I, I think that, that the time energy challenge is a big one. So yeah, um, sometimes I guess all of us might come across to where we we kind of compare our values and then how much time do we use on these values i might have health or family might be my number one values but then when i look at my calendar you know <laughs> the, the 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 time might go somewhere else so this is a conflict so i think it's just working with this do you get the time and the values correlating at least a bit better so well said and you know using that gentleman i was talking about earlier 
that's been a big part of his realizations. You know, he would he would start start saying to me, uh, you know, because he's a he's a very principled man, so he could easily say, "My family is important to me," and he could easily say, "My financial advising practice is important to me." And what he started to be able to say is, "My well-being is important to me." And started to put them on more of an equal playing field, and and that's that's where many people find themselves. Most people don't, thankfully, say that's it. I'm quitting my job uh, to <laughs> yeah. to exercise full time and to prepare my meals and and all of this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just starting to put it maybe on that on that equal footing. And uh, you know, I think. Unfortunately, this is an aspect of human nature, and it certainly has been part of my experience, is that uh, pain is a, is a teacher, or at least an attention getter. And uh, so it often is a, a challenging situation of some kind that helps a person start to level out those values. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next, I'd really like to talk about um, behavior change a little bit and this idea to talk about automatic effective evaluations and reflective attitude in motivation actually came from you. And uh, I really want to thank you for that. It's a great topic. Uh, so most of the exercise promotion or physical activity prom promotion relies on the self-determination theory. Uh, where the goal is kind of like to give people more knowledge and then to expect that they would change their behavior based on that new knowledge. But uh, it is a really slow process. And the research today shows, though, that uh, we have two dimensions and or systems uh, that guide our behavior. And there is also this much quicker automatic effective evaluation. So that's all quite complicated. <laughs> so would you like to open these two concepts up to our listeners a little bit, um, maybe in a, a bit easier way? Sure. And I think one way to to unpack them is to share a quick another quick anecdote. And then maybe we can, for some of the listeners, get into the more of the scientific terminology around it, but but this is this is a story that talks about that describes this in layperson's terms, and this comes from a local physician that I have a professional relationship with, where he'll refer his patients to me, and I'll refer my clients to him, and uh, he's a strong proponent of lifestyle medicine, so he will be using lifestyle medicine in his practice. Simply doesn't have as much time to go deep on wellness coaching and, and spend time with people. And he said to me one day, in frustration, and we were talking specifically about exercise, that, Jason, I think I do the similar, similar kind of things as you do. I ask similar kind of questions. I'm leaning on the same kind of behavior change techniques. Um, but, I'm, but I'm struggling to, uh, to get people to exercise. And uh, what he couldn't see, what he was that he was, and I asked him to tell me more. You know, how will a conversation go with a patient of yours when you're uh, trying to get them to exercise, exercise or exercise more? And he shared along the lines of of what you introduced, Lise, which is he would lean heavily on information, 
He would um, show them their biometrics. He would uh, show them what that risk, you know, the risk categories they were in for developing certain ailments. Uh, And he would show them the scientific evidence of uh, how powerful exercise is in reversing this. And, you know, what I've found is that physicians, especially because they're so well educated, uh, lean on even uh, to use a slightly negative term, even worship information. Um, and, And that's true of academics. It's true of any of us that consider ourselves intelligent people or rational thinkers. And there's certainly a place for all of that. But I know this gentleman well. And so what, the way I answered his question was, because uh, I know that what he does is he's an avid he, player of ultimate Frisbee in the summertime, and he's an avid downhill skier in the wintertime. So I said to him, and it was summertime when we were talking, I said, when you get out of the office today and you enthusiastically rush over to ultimate Frisbee, are you, do you tell yourself, I'm going to go play ultimate Frisbee so that I don't get dementia 30 years from now? <laughs> or do you go because you love the people there and you love being outside and, and you love the sport itself? And that's an introduction into this concept of automatic affective evaluations and reflective attitude. He decided to go play ultimate Frisbee that day and, he, and regularly based on what psychologists call an automatic affective evaluation, which is... Um, overly fancy language for doing something that feels good, (laughs) doing something that you enjoy. Uh, And you alluded to, um, or you you mentioned that uh, that's a faster decision-making process. Um, It's also built into the name. It's also an automatic decision process. So many people are familiar with the idea of having uh, conscious thoughts and unconscious thoughts. These could be thought of as unconscious thoughts. Now, the beauty of of that in behavior change is that unconscious thoughts are quick, fast. Um, A neuroscientist would call them efficient, meaning they they don't use a lot of energy. Um, And so if you can help a person tap into fast, efficient, powerful decision-making process, what you're bypassing is the need to rely on uh, sort of willpower. And we can think of willpower as an exhaustible resource. Willpower is useful. We, we all use it every day uh, to, to help get us to do certain things. And imagine that we start the week with $700 in willpower and start each day with $100 in willpower if we don't overuse it. We all know the feeling of uh, it being harder to make a positive choice at five o'clock in the afternoon than at 10 o'clock in the morning or on Friday evening compared to Monday morning. That's running out of willpower. That's the, the resource being exhausted. Whereas if the habit we're trying to form is tied to something that we deeply enjoy or, and I'm, I think we'll probably get into this, uh, enjoy a little bit or at least don't find miserable, we, use, we spend less of those willpower dollars um, and and then maintain them in our willpower bank account to to use throughout the week. Um, so I think that's a that's a good introduction to the to the concept. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. 
This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.